0: Hello friends, and welcome to another episode of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker, coming to you from uh, beautiful Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So is Justin Anderson. He's about three feet away from me. More than three feet away from us, uh, Patrick Marsh, joining us via Skype in the Maritimes. Uh, thanks for listening. Make sure you're uh, following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Big shout outs if you're listening on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Big shout out to the guy who said my voice is beautiful. I'm pretty sure that was a fake account from my mom, and she just wants to pump my tires. Uh, on the show today, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, the usual stuff—the uh, week that was, uh, who's hot, who's not—but we're also going to be taking a uh, bigger look into our minor league system. Uh, Justin, who we like to call the professor here, uh, he's done some research on our Triple A, Double A, Single A teams, even our rookie ball teams, and uh, we got a couple players to watch. And some of these guys you probably might see next year. Um, Some of them you're probably not going to see for the next four years, but it's always nice to kind of kind of be familiar with those young guys. Uh, By the way, today's episode is brought to you by Andrew Harris, running back, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 32 years old, 148 yards on the ground yesterday on 16 carries, averaged nine yards a carry. So Andrew Harris is the absolute guy still. Um, Today's episode is also brought to you by the Toronto Raptors. Before we start talking about ball, let's talk about uh, ball. Basketball. Um, Justin, you're a huge Raptor fan. You're wearing Big a Raptor time. hat, yeah. Raptor shirt. Uh, talk about your boys.
1: Yeah, it was uh, obviously 24 years in the making for the franchise, and it'll be a, be a good way to start the 25th anniversary next season. They've come a long way from playing their first games at the Skydome because they didn't have an arena yet, to having fans across the country watching outdoors for NBA Finals game. Mm-hmm. It just seems like uh, this basketball thing really took the country by storm, even more so than the Blue Jays playoff friends did. I mean, as, as as cool as the Blue Jays playoff friends were a couple of years ago, this thing really just kind of took off. I mean, basketball is obviously a, gl- a global game, more so than maybe any other professional sport in North America. Obviously, hockey is the big Canadian sport, but we the Raptors have African players, and Africans don't really care about hockey. And no. um, just seeing me the, the different ethnicities and backgrounds, watching the Raptors and treating them on together was uh, it, it's pretty cool. I, I I think basketball is very a very good sport just globally because of that just the different backgrounds different people it attracts um it's just a lot more the atmosphere is more fun i know as a leafs fan too i watched those leaf games and it's always just a bunch of dudes in suits behind the benches watching hockey versus the raptors game where everybody's decked out in raptor gear just having a blast so i um, yeah it's awesome hopefully Kawhi stays <laughs> it sucked that uh that we had to win it probably in part due to some injuries to golden state obviously clay thompson tearing his ACL at the end of Game 6 and Kevin Durant with the Achilles injury in Game 5. It's tough not to beat them at their best, but a win's a win, and we'll take it.
0: Moral of that story, Leafs fans are the worst. Um, Patrick, (laughs) do you think Kawhi's staying or
2: no? No, I think he's gone, but I have to say, man, I've been a fan of this franchise since 1995. I've been there for the Damon Stoudemires, Alvin Williams, JYD, Tracy McGrady, uh, Vince Carter era, Chris Bosh, and the DeMar Kyle Lowry love connection. And it feels really, really good for Canada to have one of the big four championships You know, come home. It's amazing. If you want to know an interesting fact about how many Canadians watched this, The low-end estimation is that 44% of the country watched the final game, watched the Raptors clinch and win the championship. That is crazy. The Raptors have the largest fan base in the NBA. The North is a basketball haven, and the fact that the Raptors win makes me think that the future of basketball in Canada we haven't even seen its, its peak yet. I'm talking like other cities are going to get teams now in the long term because the Raptors have proven that you can build a competitive basketball team in Canada and it will not only compete, but it will thrive. It's amazing.
0: You talked about the the good moments for Raptor history. Like when I think of Junkyard Dog, I think of nothing but good times. I think of his awesome Sprite commercials that he had. uh,
1: You skipped the Primo Pasta era.
0: Andrea Bargnani (laughs) loves Primo Pasta. (laughs) Also, the Hito Turgaloo era. Remember the Hito Turgaloo era? Oh, I'm so sick, guys. hey, 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 Hito,
1: what was the secret tonight? ball yeah
0: ball no remember when he he said he had the flu and he couldn't play yeah. so he sat in the bench and then later that night he was at the club just wasted yeah and just dancing with people was, see like those are the those tough times i'll times. remember the rafael Arujo days <laughs> when we thought Arujo was going to be the savior oh, of the franchise man. and he ended up being like the worst player in franchise history um i'll always remember those low mom- moments when we got jalen rose and we thought Jalen Rose was going to be this big turnaround for our franchise. And it's like, yeah, Jalen Rose is good. But like yeah. we thought Jalen Rose was going to turn us around. And it's like, why do we think these old guys? The Raptors were kind of thinking like the Blue Jays Remember back Jermaine in Remember Jermaine O'Neal, too? Oh, yeah. Again, another old guy. Yeah. The, the Jays and the Raptors always used to think alike. Let's just bring in some old guys and hope for the best. Like... Jermaine O'Neal no. is basically the Troy gloss of basketball. <laughs> like, when you think about it, they, they're, they're big boys. They play the kind of same kind of style, yeah. you know, they're, they're big and aggressive. And I mean, they kind of did that for a long, long time. And then Masai came in and totally changed the game. Uh, do you think Masai stays?
1: Yes, oh, man, it's with the, with the offer he's reportedly re- going to receive from the wizards. It's like $10 million and it's ownership stake. Mm-hmm. That's tough to turn down. Um, yeah, but
2: the Wizards are terrible. Yeah, They're not so were the Raptors. right now to be ready.
1: So were the Raptors when Masai came too.
0: I think that's why Masai wants to leave. I he, mean, already, he already made it to the peak for the Raptors. And I think he wants to do it for the It's one of those things,
1: again, like it's, it's kind of a similar situation to Kawhi where you want them to stay, but you wouldn't really fault them if they left because we got what we wanted out of, out of Kawhi. We got what we wanted from Masai. He said he was going to build us a championship team and he did it. Um, we all kind of went into this season expecting to win. Knowing that the team had the capability of winning, and they've done that now, it'll be it'll be a shame if if, if we lose lots of the core of the team. Um, but at the same time, the Raptors are the NBA champions, and I, I mean it doesn't really matter at this point what happens now. They have that title. It'd be great to see them keep winning, but um, from a fan's point of view they've at least achieved the, the, the pinnacle of the sport.
0: So if Kawhi leaves and Masai leaves, do you think the Raptors are still competitive next year?
1: It depends who they bring in to fill that shoe. Obviously, they still, they'll still have Kyle and they'll still have Pascal. Because Sol's got a player option that's worth a ton of money, so he's probably going to opt into it. Um, so that's three guys right there. Danny Green might be gone, I think. I'm not sure what a Baca's contract is like. They'll have Van Vliet again. So they're still going to have like a decent core of this championship team. And hopefully the younger guys like Chris Boucher from Montreal will, will get, work his way up into the rotation a little bit more and next year as kind of like a backup foreman or center. Um, and they'll, they'll hopefully get some young infusion into that core and we'll see who they can bring in during free agency. Obviously this free agency is going to be crazy, a bit less so than it would have been if, if uh, Clay and KD were healthy.
0: Yeah. But, Patrick, do you think the Raptors are going to be competitive next year?
2: Uh, it depends on whether or not uh, Kawhi and Masai stay. If Masai... If, if one of them leaves, it kind of depends. Like if Kawhi leaves, they're not going to repeat. If Masai leaves, there's a chance that they they could. As long if this team has Kawhi Leonard on it, they will be a contender regardless of what else happens. But the East right now is very vulnerable. There's not a lot of teams right now that are stacked and ready for a long run the same way the heat were and the Cavs were the raptors right now are the best team in the east obviously but the the bucks they don't have the coaching right now to be able to make the changes they need on the fly so i i just think if Kawhi stays it's i don't think it's going to matter <clears throat> whether or not maasai leaves or not but if both of them leave they're they're in a lot of trouble. I don't think they would even make the playoffs next year.
0: I don't think the future is too bright for the Raptors the next couple years. I think they're going to have to go through a little bit of a rebuild. I think next year they're still going to make the playoffs, but they're going to finish like fourth or fifth, win a playoff series. But I don't think they're going to be as dominant, unless Kawhi stays. Yeah. Now, if Kawhi stays, then they're going to be great for years to come. But if Kawhi doesn't stay, yeah, there might be some tough times for Raptor fans, but I'll take tough times with the championship any day. I'll take tough times for an awesome playoff push any day. Exactly. I mean, just like the Jays did in 2015, yeah. I'll take the rebuild that we're going through right now for that uh, awesome playoff push for those two years. Uh, speaking of the Jays, let's get into some Blue Jay baseball, shall we? Um, Edwin is now a Yankee, and when that popped up on my phone, I was extremely mad. I don't want Edwin to be a Yankee. I don't want any good Jay to be a Yankee or a Red Sox because I cannot stand those two teams. Um, Patrick, what are your first impressions from the Edwin trade?
2: I mean, I'm in the same camp as you. I don't like the fact that a former Blue Jay is now going to be wearing pinstripes, but this is a great trade for Seattle. Obviously, it's a lot of money to be paying someone to play for a different team, but they got a great pitching prospect, and maybe Justin can talk a little bit more about about him um, but this is a great deal for both teams and I think this kind of signifies that Seattle is going to go full rebuild which means the that particular division the AL West is a little less interesting now because you've obviously got the Astros uh, the Rangers will never win anything ever and Oakland m- might be competitive, but the Astros are like a dynasty in the making.
1: Yeah, I mean, Juan Thin is the pitcher that uh, the Yankees sent to Seattle, and it seems like the Mariners are going to cover some Se- or some of the contract for Edwin this year, and if the Yankees decide to buy out Edwin next year, it's a $20 million buyout clause, they'll cover a quarter of that as well. Um, so Juan Thin... He's he's a Dominican pitcher, uh, right-handed. He's nineteen now. Um, he pitched with the uh, Dominican summer league team for the Mariners uh, yesterday, and and he has a two sixty four ERA so far in in, in uh, Dominican summer ball. And he's nineteen. He throws hard. I mean, he's a pretty good pickup. Uh, he, was in, he was in the 20s for the Yankees and their top 30 prospects. He's going to be in the 10 to 15 range for Seattle because they have a bit of a weaker farm than the Yankees do. I mean, it's a good trade. The The Mariners were trying to flip Edwin as soon as they got him uh, back in that three-way trade with Tampa and Cleveland uh, in the offseason. But obviously it took a little bit longer. He's leading the league in home runs, the American League in home runs. Mm-hmm. So he's he's producing at an Edwin-esque clip. And, yeah, it, it's a great pickup for them. Um the Yankees are looking for pitching, but they'll never pass up an opportunity to add another slugger to their already lethal lineup. It sounds sounds like Stanton will be back this week too.
0: Edwin's going to be dangerous yep. in that ballpark, mm, big time. Very very dangerous in that ballpark. Any hitter that can pull the ball with power in that ballpark is yeah. going to be well.
1: Yeah, think I of mean. his numbers against like the Red Sox too at Fenway, I know. and and then the, the obviously at Rogers Center he has a pretty good track record,
0: and he gets to play in both of those buildings a yeah. lot more. And yeah, I, we have,
1: we've only seen Yankees, but we've seen them like once this year, mm-hmm. I think. So we got a lot of games left against New York. Yeah,
0: I think uh, this is a great trade it's for the
2: Yankees guys.
1: Yeah,
2: I have a question actually for you, Clayton. Okay, saying what you just did about Edwin Encarnacion and how dangerous he is at Yankee Stadium, right now Edwin sits at. 401 home runs if he sticks around with the yankees for uh another year or two because he does have the the team option next year um do you think edwin could crack 500 given the fact that he's now in a very hitter friendly park how old is edwin
1: 36 he's
2: 36 already yep Mm, yeah
0: i think he gets the 500
1: it's probably three years for him.
0: Probably three years. He'll get three 30 home years. runs each year. He'll have to have a couple extra here or there. I think he gets to 500. I could see it. But he also might get hurt. He doesn't really have a big history of being hurt, though, does he?
1: Mm, nothing like nothing serious. So he's first baseman slash DH. So there was some time when he missed with the Jays with... I think he had like maybe a, like a hip flexor thing one time. I can't yeah. remember. But it was nothing like ever like an ACL or an elbow injury. No. It was nothing ever like too long-term.
0: He might be able to get to 500.
1: He's got a chance.
0: Especially in those three ballparks. I mean, Baltimore yeah. and Tampa Bay... Oh, well, Tampa Bay is kind of known as a hitter's ballpark, but it's a little deeper than most. Um, Baltimore is not really a hitter's ballpark, but those three ballparks, I mean... Yeah. They're just, they're launching pads. Absolute launching (laughs) pads. So, the like, he's going to get a chance to play there more, and he loved hitting there when he played for the Jays, so I'm I'm assuming he's going to love hitting there when he plays for the Yankees. Just makes them that much better. The Yankees' lineup is freaky, freaky good. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about our lineup, though, the Jays, because Vladdy got hit in the hand on Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, X-rays were negative, which is great, but he's probably going to have a swollen hand for about two weeks. Yeah. it, getting beamed in the hand is the worst place to get beamed. Well, we Next to the knee.
1: Bichette broke his hand. Yeah. This He's back now, too. Next but... to
0: getting beamed right in the knee. Like, not yeah. in the meat of the leg, but, but like, right in the knee bone. It's just the worst feeling. Yeah. But getting hit in the hands is a close second because, again, there's no give. At least with your knee, there's you could, there's a little bit of give. But getting hit on the hand with the bat right there, it's just... Yeah, that's 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 not good. Plus, that, this means that
1: ninety-six mile an hour Garrett Cole fastball. Yeah. Two.
0: Plus, this means that the only bright spot on our team <laughs> is not going to be playing for the next little bit. The yeah. only reason I've been watching the Jays really is for Vladi Jr. Like that's basically <laughs> it. Uh, you guys worried about this at all or no?
1: Um. Well, it's good that the X-rays were negative, and he did take BP yesterday before the game. Um. I don't think he's in today's lineup either. But he says he'll be back soon, and the, the team says he'll be back soon as well. So, it's uh, it's seeming like it's not too serious, which is a good thing. Obviously, we're we're lucky he dodged a, a broken hand like Bo Bouchette had happened to him earlier in the season. Um. So I mean, I I'm. It, worried, but not as worried as I would be if if there was some more concerning news.
2: It's so a many. it's a
0: freak injury. Happens yeah. everybody. Uh, Patrick, question for you: Are you going to watch the next few Jays games <sighs> knowing that Vladdy isn't in the lineup?
2: No, I'm I'm this in the same boat as you, where I think it's hard to watch this team right now and. <laughs> Vladdy is kind of the one bright spot, although I have a lot of really nice things to say about Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and we'll get to that later. But it's just hard to watch this team right now. They're they're not good. They're not going to get better this year, and they might not even be better next year. And the thing is, I don't know how hot the seed is going to get for management, but, man, this team... They're really struggling.
1: The management seat could not be cooler. Nobody is expecting anything out of this team.
0: That's the thing. Everyone knew this team was going to yeah. be bad. So when there they're is, bad, it's like, oh, there well. There is no hot seat. If this was three years ago and the Jays were playing like this, yeah. goodbye. See you later.
1: You're Charlie chair is an ice bath right now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about management. I'm oh, talking about no.
1: like. No one cares. No one's expecting them to win. Like, If, if we had um, the Yankees line up and, and we were performing like this, then we would be in trouble.
0: I think next year, if we played like this, then yes, there would be some questions. Because it's like, okay, it's year two, you had some time to figure it out. We should be better than this. I'm not saying a playoff <laughs> baseball team, yeah, but, but like we should be better than this. Right now, it's yeah, but it still sucks. Like, it does still...
1: suck. It's not fun. But I mean, at the same time, what do we expect?
0: Injuries have played a little bit of a factor. Do we
1: expect the team that has let Edwin Jackson start games to to win?
0: Exactly. Yeah, I'm starting to feel bad for Edwin Jackson.
1: Trent because. Thornton is in our starting rotation too.
0: Starting to feel bad for him too, you <laughs> yeah. know. Like just, I'm starting to feel bad for those just guys. Like, we're just all in their case. It's
1: a no-win situation for those guys. Yeah,
0: uh, we were talking a bit about injuries. Ken Giles is hurt, yeah. um, elbow inflammation. But again, we're not in too many safe situation games, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> if anyone was to get hurt, I'm glad it's Ken Giles. As weird as that is to <laughs> say, um, some other guy. Kind of news to talk about. I want to talk about this intentional balk. I yeah. didn't see it. But uh Dodgers reliever Kenley Jansen, uh he intentionally balked against the Cubs because he thought that they were stealing signs from second. Yeah. So basically he intentionally balked to make sure that that runner from second went to third. Yeah. Uh Patrick you saw it, you were the first kind of person to tell us about it. What? Like just kind
2: of talk us through how it went. I don't I don't know how to explain it aside from the fact that it was intentional like it was very obvious what was going on if you were paying attention to to Kenley uh, on the mound and I I honestly like I had to talk to Justin about it because like I didn't really under fully like understand it because I don't understand why you would allow a runner to advance like that and then I kind of read a little bit about why and it kind of made a little bit more sense like how can a player on second base steal signs i don't really understand that part of it sure well
1: it's it's actually very easy uh there's two ways that they can do it um one is they have a direct view to the to the plate right he can see what fingers the catcher is throwing down um and maybe that player has a good idea of what he's going to throw. And the second thing is, is especially for a right-handed pitcher with a guy leading off towards third base, is that can, he that runner can see directly into his glove and see the grip on the baseball. So as Kenley is coming set on the rubber and fixing his grip, if Hayward sees that he's in a, like a 4 team fastball grip or a cutter grip, because Kenley has a great cutter, um, he could throw down a sign on his <coughs> excuse me on his leg and let the batter know what's coming.
0: We did this a lot when I played for oh, yeah. uh, the Diamondbacks, Major Triple A, because uh, back in the day, before there was a, <coughs> a Saskatchewan Major Triple A league, mm-hmm. uh, it was just Saskatoon. So there was three teams in Saskatoon yeah. and Munster, and that was it. So all four teams knew each other really, really well, <laughs> and we knew that they were stealing signs. Like you knew each other so well, you'd play each other like twenty times a year, and you knew a player was stealing signs when they would always steal bases, but yeah. they were not taking a big lead on second base. It's like, this guy is known for stealing bases, and yet he's not taking a big lead? He always steals third base. Oh, I wonder what he's up to. Because he's hanging around second for a better view of the catcher. (laughs) And again, in Major League Baseball, it's really hard to steal signs from the catcher because their signs are crazy complicated. But in midget AAA baseball in Canada, one, fastball. Two, changeup. Three, curveball. You're not getting two more complicated than that yeah. so then they'd have a system like so if someone puts a changeup down they would put their arm on their left leg or they would put their arm on their right leg they would have their own signals to the batter so the yeah. batter would be looking at the second or a guy in second base and be like okay i know what's coming now because he stole the sign now i didn't know about the grip one yeah i didn't know the guys did that but that's a good point yeah. i never thought to do that especially in big
1: i mean if, the, if you have a right handed pitcher right his, mm-hmm. his glove is pointed directly at second base yeah in most cases and you
0: can see the grip on there I never thought to do that glove. damn it yeah if I could only go back life hacks with yeah. Justin Anderson but we used to do this intentional block because we knew guys would steal signs and we'd just be like go to third yeah and they'd be pissed and they'd be like no we don't want to you and have be like to. well why don't you want <laughs> That's to
1: the rule. Exactly,
0: exactly why don't you want an extra base but like were you kind of flabbergasted at first seeing them like well I for someone who wouldn't know Patrick like are were you kind of like what the hell is going on here
2: I it still like even now watching the tape back and watching Kenley like basically yell to Jason here would be like I'm going to ball <laughs> I I was like okay why <laughs> but obviously it makes sense now that mm-hmm. we've explained it I have a question though like Clayton from your perspective as a catcher and the complexity of signs does it Would it bother you in that type of scenario? Like the pitcher is kind of making that executive decision or is it one of those unspoken things where it's like, yeah, we have to do that.
0: I love it because I love calling out other teams on their shit because in baseball teams always have like three or four little dirty things that they do that other teams hate, whether it be sliding aggressive into second base or bat flipping their home runs or stealing signs. Every team does like one or two little things that get under your skin. And when you're playing that team and you can call them out on it, it feels great because then every other team knows it because this is on national television. It's going to be on the highlights. Mm-hmm. And now everyone's going to know that the Chicago Cubs steal signs. And I would love that as a catcher or any position player on a baseball team, just the, Hey, no, go to third. Why are you going to third? Cause you guys steal signs. And it's like, oh man! And now their reputation's kind of tarnished because everyone knows that they still signs. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, fuck you guys! You want know you guys still signs? We're gonna come back right at you. We're gonna intentionally balk. Get the hell out of here. I love that. I yeah. absolutely would have no problem with it's it. Good. I think it's such a cool move. And in like, like the one thing is too, we were talking about: could you not take the base? Like, can you decline it? You can't. And you can't. It's the rules. It'd be like, oh, I'm intentionally there's, walked. No, I don't accept.
1: There's a different scenario. Um. If if the pitch is delivered on a balk and the batter hits a home run, you can take the result of the play. Because, obviously, the batter doesn't get a base on mm-hmm. a balk, right? Yeah. But you can, depending on what happens. But in a balk situation like that where it's a dead ball balk, where time's immediately called, the runners have to advance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, yeah, that's such a weird thing, an intentional balk. Like, yeah. when if you're not... a. Uh baseball fan like we are mm-hmm. where you kind of know the ins and outs of the game it'd be like this is the stupidest strategy I've yeah. ever seen in my entire life were there two outs at the time or one two okay two
1: outs up by two
0: so with one out it would be kind of sketchy with yeah. the sack fly but with two outs I'm all for it oh, but yeah. yeah it's still a little still a little. That run eater. means nothing right yeah so. uh one other thing too there were two cycles this week yeah Otani had one uh Jake Bowers had one um Patrick do you like this new era where it, it's a hitter's game like for a while it was a pitcher's game after the steroid era, pitchers were pretty much taken over, and now it kind of seems like it's back to a hitter's game. Patrick, are you kind of a fan of that? Or
2: I I love it because it, it I, I like the fact that it's more important to be a good hitter now than it is to be a good pitcher. Like remember the '90s, like remember the Atlanta Braves rotation, and then like even though we don't like to give them credit, the Yankees rotation with guys like Mike Mussina and Andy Pettit, etc. Like those were the days of. And Randy Johnson, too. Those are the days of, like, amazing pitchers, the likes of which we haven't really seen quality-wise since, like, the 60s and 70s. It was really strange. And now it's like like a post-Juice era, and players are still managing to crank out, you know, crazy numbers as far as hits. Charlie Blackman has had three straight four-hit games. That's insane.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh Jordan Alvarez, the rookie, his first 5 games he has four home runs. It's like it's blowing my mind that now we're living in a time where it's like it's a hitter's game, more w- way more so I think than a pitcher's game.
1: Well, I don't know if you guys are aware but the minor leagues are using the big league ball now and home run numbers have Skyrocketed in the minors as well. Like Triple A is on is on pace to shatter last season's home run totals by the end of July,
2: mm-hmm. which is which is crazy. Yeah,
1: a two like two months prior to the actual season ending, they're on pace to shatter last season's home run numbers.
2: Justin, how much more different is the minor league, the old minor league ball than the the major league ball? Is it comparable to? the nippon league ball where it's significantly smaller no, than the MLB it's, not, ball. That, it's or, not that it's
1: any smaller it's it's the what's what's in the ball um okay whatever is in the major league baseball now is making it travel further faster um and it, it's <laughs> it's causing blisters <laughs> obviously um because so that's what pitchers are struggling with that now whatever the whatever baseball has done to the to the inside to the fillings of the of the major league ball and now the minor league ball it's it's caused significantly more power for some reason i'm not really sure about the physics of a baseball and what goes into it i've watched how it's made baseballs before but that's that's a long time ago it's not the same anymore so i'm not really too sure i just know that it's different and it's it's not the players who are juiced anymore. It's the balls now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, it's a home run game. And obviously, trick's dig the long ball. And fans love the long ball. It's uh, 12-4 or 12-10 games are more exciting than a one nothing pitcher's duel for for most people. Not for me personally. But um, whatever it takes to get butts in seats, they're doing it.
0: See, I love the pitcher's duel. And yeah. I'm sad we left out the 2003 Oakland A's rotation, by the mm, way. Yeah. With Zito, Hudson, Mulder, and Harden. I remember watching those Oakland A's games for two years because they had the same rotation for two years yeah. right and Zito's curveball and Mulder's fastball and Rich Harden just chucking gas how good
1: was Barry Zito oh
0: Barry Zito for five years there he was unhittable yeah unhittable then he went to San Francisco You have
1: two I think one? he had
0: I oh, know he had one, for, one sure. for sure I don't think he had two but then yeah. when he went to San Francisco he got the yips and he just kind of yeah, forgot yeah. how to pitch but I love I love a team with a good pitching rotation like you know what we got these four guys good luck hitting us mm-hmm. So like I love it like that teams like the Yankees go the other way around where they're like you know what we got eight guys that can go yard good luck pitching against yeah. us you know I like when those two teams face off against each other I kind of like. I, I like a nice 12-10 game as well but I also like kind of close baseball that's when the strategy comes out <laughs> in baseball is those close games yeah. the small ball the stealing stuff that's what I kind of love about baseball but I mean who doesn't love a pinch good pinch running
1: Alan Henson for Vladimir Guerrero Jr close close games yeah, exactly you just the you best know? decisions yeah um, <laughs> on
0: the injury front when it comes to the Jays, unless you guys want to talk about any other news things that no
1: that's that's good that's good to going here
0: uh, when it comes to injuries uh clay buckles and Ryan Barucki, um, still not really with the team are they expected no. to be back in anytime soon or
1: Barucki's throwing live BP well supposed to throw it yesterday whether he did or not I'm not sure uh, but if he gets through that without issue he'll progress to simulated games and bullpen sessions. <laughs> it's looking like mid to late July, for February, maybe after the All-Star break. Great. Uh, yeah. Awesome. David Phelps should be back very soon. He's throwing back-to-back days in rehab, um, so he'll that'll give our bullpen a huge boost. He threw a bullpen session with the team yesterday in Houston, so he could be activated. He might be activated today, for all we know. Um, Pompeii is continuing his baseball activity. Um, and he should be potentially in rehab games next week in extended spring training slash maybe high A ball. Devin Travis isn't doing anything. He's really working on strengthening his lower body. And uh, Jacob Weguspak, who we saw for a couple of days with the big club, is throwing a uh, live batting practice right now, and so he should pitch today in Buffalo if all goes well and could be activated. He throws hard. so Patrick, out of all those guys, who do you want back the most?
2: Obviously, Ryan Barucki. <laughs> yeah. uh, D- Clay holes is old and busted. Um, he's not going to be with the team in the long run anyway. Uh, I'll be happy for David Phelps because coming back from TJ surgery is a big mm-hmm. deal for a person, like for a player individually. Um, isn't it kind of scary, though, guys, how severe the injuries were for Dalton Pompey and Devin Travis that they're still not back and that they're not even close?
1: Yeah, well, concussions aren't a joke, and unfortunately for Dalton, it was... It may be almost his fourth concussion or something yeah. like that in in recent years. So yeah, it's it's, Man, it's scary.
2: Remember way back when we were like, ha ha, ha, Dalton Pompey, get your get your shit together because you bumped your head on a baseball bat and here it is like remember Clayton, you I think you were the one who made that joke not to put you on blast or anything, but like he's still not back. Like that's a severe concussion. That's that's actually like it makes me kind of feel bad thinking about like what we've said before about it and even in this like era where we do know things about concussions like this is bad and devin travis i think is just done i've had four
0: concussions in the past so i'm allowed to joke i know how bad it is (laughs) i know how shitty it is um i've had to get carried off the field twice not in baseball but in football because of concussions i just got knocked out cold and it sucks But the way I kind of deal with that stuff is just kind of through humor because it's like, you know what? Like when I think the joke was, it's like most athletes get hurt on the field, not bumping their head on a bat. Yeah. (laughs) It's just kind of one of those things like the the Aaron Sanchez suitcase thing, you know, it was one of those kind of jokes. (laughs) I was, I would never make fun of a guy like, oh, your brain is soft. Like people are making fun of Zach Caleros in Saskatchewan a bunch right now. Yeah. Oh, you're soft. You're soft. He got dirtied trying to slide. And like that's not soft. He's getting hit in a very dirty way. Illegally. Any other quarterback <laughs> would get concussed in that situation. Yeah. It's the way it happens. Any
1: human would get concussed. Yeah, in it's that the situation. way it
0: happens. It's like some t- some injuries are just like really. That's that's how you got hurt. It's like yeah. okay, that's weird. Um, I kind of ex- expected Dalton Pompey to be out this long because again, four concussions, you need time. And unless like Aaron Hill was out for a long, long time Sydney back in the day too. Missed a year. I remember his concussion was nasty when yeah. he was running for that fly ball. Uh, and then I forget who the outfielder was at the time, but they just collided. Yeah, and right. He was never the same well, after that.
1: And just remember, yeah, Sidney Crosby. He missed the whole year. He couldn't look at a like a TV screen for six months. He was yeah. like sitting in the dark because mm-hmm. he just like couldn't look at bright lights. Like that's a that's a shitty existence, just not be able to really do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it, it's 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 good that Dalton is progressing, and he should be in some rehab games soon. Hopefully, he kind of picks up where he left off in spring training. He was playing very well. He was probably going to make the team as Mm maybe the fourth outfielder. Uh, And honestly, he has no options left, so either we activate him or we designate him for assignment, and he goes somewhere else probably. Yeah,
0: he's probably gone. Yeah. Probably gone. I remember one time I thought I was past a concussion, and I was recovering for like two weeks. Again, two weeks, no TV, no reading, no nothing like that. Just kind of hanging out inside, not a lot of loud music, just kind of, just kind of recovering, went back to school. um and then I don't know why I did this, but like I was just like, you know how when you're a kid and you try on someone else's glasses, oh, just God. to see what's going on. So I did that. And I thought like this it was like two weeks after I thought I was all good and fine. Put on someone else's glasses, all of a sudden, the concussion symptoms ca- came back. So my eyes started to going all crossy and hurty and stuff like that. And then in like another two days of just feeling like shit. Yeah, so yeah, concussions suck. like they're good they're joke. not fun. I've had four. Uh, two really bad ones, two kind of just kind of minor, minor ones, but man, when they're bad, they are bad when they're not bad. They're still bad. If that makes any sense, but they're a little easier to get, through. you know,
1: something doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you can kind of manage it a little bit, but when they're bad, there's no managing it. You just got to wait. And it's that, that's the Mm -hmm. toughest thing for athletes. They don't want to wait. They want to go back in the game. Look at Kevin Durant. You don't want to wait to get your Achilles healed up. You just want to play the game and it, it costs you sometimes um let's talk about the week that was uh the jays went two and three since the last time we talked we won a series yay yeah
1: against baltimore against
0: baltimore <laughs> yay uh and then we lost our first two games against houston even though baltimore sucks and even though we suck are, are you still kind of pumped whenever we win a series do you still see some positives yeah there?
1: it's anytime we can beat the trash Birds. The lesser trash birds, I guess, because we're kind of trash too. Yeah, we're trash. <laughs> um, it's always good to be Baltimore. It's a division team. We expect to beat them because they are trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we saw Kevin Bejo hit two home runs in a game. In that game, also, I think Guriel had three hits. Flatty had three hits. So we saw some young power.
0: Rowdy had a grand. slam. Rowdy had a
1: grand slam. That's right. So that was a, that was a good game for the for the boys. Uh, they had two really good offensive games against Baltimore, and then they went to Houston and it all. Kind of went to the dogs.
0: Yeah. What was your positive uh, from that series against Baltimore, Patrick? Uh,
2: the players that took at bats got more hits. <laughs> you didn't like, watch a game, did you? I no. I I I didn't. I I was really busy this week, and I had a hard time keeping up with with that. I've got stuff going on, and I just yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch, but. I am definitely gonna to to watch complain, today's man. game. Uh, I'm very <laughs> excited for the Houston Astros to uh beat the piss out of the, the Jays who haven't announced their lineup yet, which is weird. It's still like we don't two have a hours line... to game time. Well, they will like...
1: probably testing out Vladdy's um, hand and also making a decision if they're gonna activate Phelps or not.
0: No way Vladdy plays today. He might. No, I don't want them to let's sit them out. Just, just <laughs> let them sit out him Just let him hang out. Like, ugh. that be h. Um, talking about the week that was. Who's hot? Who's not? Um, let's
1: look- just do who's hot this week. Not who's not. Just who's hot. Let's be. Let's be. Let's keep it positive. Okay, fine. Let's look on the bright side.
0: When we're getting too negative. We're just going
2: to. Yeah. Let's
1: blow have. Our let's have. A, let's have a good day. We'll oh, talk about.
2: We we've got the lineup. We got the lineup, guys. That just got uh, listed it on just got Twitter. Dropped. Guess who's batting second in the DH spot? Body? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, <sighs> that's
1: tough to swing <sighs> your kind of like that. I don't know if it, if it's that bad. He took BP yesterday. looked fine by all accounts. so let him sit an extra day. Obviously, the swelling is has gone.
0: He knows his body, but yeah, like getting yeah. beamed in the hand sucks. Did yeah. that happen on Friday. Yeah. Oh, man, a day. Good for him. Depends
1: how it hit, too. If it, if it hit a finger or yeah. like the meat of the hand. The he's palm. hitting
0: 308 over his past 30 days. Yep. Um, after that rough start, people were like, oh, man, he needs more <laughs> time. Him down. He doesn't need more time. He's the guy. Yeah. Uh, he's hitting 308. He's the guy. Uh, Lourdes Guriel Jr., you said you want to go off on him, Patrick. Uh, this is your time.
2: Man, remember way back when? When. We're talking about how, oh, he needs to, like, get sent down. And, like, his, his bat was never really the problem. He just looked like ass when he was fielding. But, like, this is like a tale of two seasons for him. Let's start with, like, at the plate. Yeah, in the last week he struck out a lot. But he hit three thirty three OBP three eighty five That's pretty good. Uh, but he had two jacks and six RBIs in the last week. Like, I just wish that he had figured it out on the the field as far as, like, his fielding abilities sooner, just so that way we could actually see what he could do in a full season. He's got six home runs, 19 RBIs this year, only two stolen bases, but this team doesn't steal bases. (laughs) Who are we kidding? Um, If you were to sort of extrapolate – uh everything that he's done so far in the 98 games that he's played as a J uh he would have uh, his 162 game average is 28 home runs and 89 rbis that's pretty damn good it's not bad for a, a 277 corner. hitter <laughs> like that's this is what you want from from a guy like that like yeah. this is this is all positive stuff and I think this is this is proof that, we Shouldn't give up on him, and we shouldn't trade him, and we should keep him and now that he's kind of gotten gotten it figured out as far as like the outfield goes like he hasn't made an error in the outfield Yes,
1: he had two outfield assists in the other in the game the other day as well
2: Yeah, like obviously Whatever it is like he I guess maybe he just needed to figure out like where he needed to hit
1: Yeah,
2: or, or sorry where he needed to play positionally because he's obviously got the talent. I don't think anyone could ever doubt that he is a talented like baseball player regardless of where he plays. But like, this is all good stuff. The fact that we're seeing him consistently hit above 270 and also be able to contribute uh, defensively.
1: Yeah, you. Good you, for him. You mentioned that our team doesn't steal bases, Patrick. I'd like to point out that we had three this week and Luke Mailey stole one and Rowdy stole one of his own as well. So... That's a wow. base, the base, couple of base stealing threats right there. A couple mm. of speedsters on the base pass.
2: <laughs> That's no, I'm I'm very happy that I'm wrong about that,
1: especially this week. I just because... wanted to point out who the who the base stealers were, and Teoscar Hernandez had the other. He's he's pretty fast if he wants to be. Um, our catchers had a, had a nice week and 21 at bats. They uh, combined for eight hits, so uh, good for them. Obviously, uh, Danny Jansen needed a a bit of a good week, and he he went five for 15. So. Hopefully he can keep that up. He did go 0 for 4, I think, yesterday with 4Ks, but uh, <laughs> the golden sombrero. Yikes. Like, something, something we don't like to see. But, um, no, I, I, I thought everyone, for the most part, we had we had some decent hitting performances this week. Uh, Galvis was back, hitting well. Sogard had a good week as well. Um, yeah. What about pitchers? Anyone have any uh, pitchers they were impressed by this week?
0: Well, the one thing we're forgetting about Gurriel Jr. is his haircut is stupid um wow. guy needs a haircut
1: it's like it's, it's on stupid. like josh donaldson levels of stupidity
0: i like lourdes Gurriel jr i'm still not sold on him keeping him long term I'm, I'm you know because mm-hmm. he needs to keep it up for a while baseball players can get streaky i mean look at freddie galvis the beginning of the season it's like oh man this is the guy and then he starts <laughs> to kind of get down a bit and it's like oh yeah he's freddie galvis uh Gurriel Jr. jr's playing great um I have called him out before. I didn't think he was that fantastic, but he's playing really, really good. But his hair is stupid. He's got the stupidest haircut. It's way worse than Josh Donaldson's. His haircut is freaking ridiculous. So dumb. It's like three colors, and it's so long on the top. so I just, I don't know. I I can't. Pina power. I can't like a guy (laughs) with a haircut like that. I can't like a guy who thinks that looking in the mirror thinks that looks good. I, I just don't know. I just, I can't. Guys with weird haircuts bother me. I don't know why. <laughs>
1: is it the fact that you're losing your hair? No,
0: that's fine. I don't <laughs> mind that at all. Like, I, I, I don't care. But it's just like, you know what? Like normal haircuts, even like a little kind of weird haircuts is totally fine. But like when you're just being, have a weird haircut for the sake of having a weird haircut, grow up. Absolutely grow up. I don't know. He's
1: having fun. Yeah, but. <laughs> this team needs all the fun it can get. Yeah, but we're not having uh, Four fun. pitchers this week that played well. Daniel Hudson, Derek Law. Jordan Romano, shout-out to that Canadian boy, and Marcus Stroman had a great start. Hmm. Um, I want to give shout-out to, to Romano. He was throwing gas in his, de- in his big league debut against the Orioles, pitched a scoreless inning there, struck out a couple batters, then he pitched an inning against Houston and struck out a batter there as well. So two scoreless innings to start your big league career. He was touching 99 on the gun. He's capable of hitting triple digits in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of developed by us as a starter. We, we did lose him in the Rule 5 draft to the Rangers, Uh, But they sent him back our way, and now he's in our bullpen, which is a place we desperately need help. Good to see a good Canadian kid uh, getting some success at the big leagues to start off his career. Mm
0: -hmm. Patrick, any other pitchers you got your eye on?
2: I feel like it's time for Derek Law to graduate from the garbage gang because he's actually been really, really good the last couple weeks. So I'm going to say from now on, when I talk about the garbage gang, Uh, Derek Law's name will not be on my lips. (laughs) He did what he was supposed to do. Marcus Stroman, very happy with his performance, uh, continues to increase his trade value. I I have waffled back and forth all week about this. I don't want to trade Marcus Stroman. I don't want to do it. I feel like it's going to bite us on the ass hard. Uh, and not in the good way. If, <laughs> if we if we deal him, I just I have a bad feeling that there's a, a like I've I've read some rumors and things like that that it might be the Yankees, and I would hate that. I would I would be so mad. I would that would be like a deal breaker for me if we dealt him to the
1: Yankees. Tune in next week when Marcus Stroman wants needs to be traded, according to Patrick Marsh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, I'm I'm sticking like I I don't want to do it because like he's been so good this year. He is arguably our all-star for this season. It uh, doesn't matter what his record is. If you look at his statistical performance, he has been an all-star, and I don't want to trade him now. I don't even care if we get someone's like number one prospect for. Him. <laughs> well, maybe unless it was a pitcher. But like, no, I don't want Marcus Stroman to go anywhere anymore. I've never wanted him to go
0: anywhere. He's got to stay. He's got to be the he stay. Uh, he's got to be the cornerstone of our pitching um, rotation in 3 or 4 years.
1: Yeah, uh well, hopefully Nate Pearson. Cross your fingers, boys. Let's get to some prospect talk.
0: Yeah, you would. I've
1: done a, I've done up a list. I know we we know how bad the Blue Jays are at the Billy level Obviously there's some bright spots like Vladdy and Kevin and hopefully Bobochet soon. Um uh, but I want I want to give people a list of of prospects to keep their eye on this year at every level of Blue Jay ball. Um Starting at triple A. Number nine prospect, Anthony Alford. Um, he got off to a very, very terrible start in April. He had a great spring training with us, didn't make the team. He kind of was held in limbo with us a couple of times. Obviously, was there was that whole thing where he was in Toronto on opening day and then ended up losing his roster spot to Rowdy. Then he came up for a couple of games and was sent back down. He hit one thirty two in April. May he bounced back with two seventy six and so far in June he's hitting three eighty nine. So his last thirty days he's got a three thirty seven batting average. He's hitting home runs. He's stolen 13 bases this season, uh, and he's getting extra base hits. If Teoscar Hernandez continues to struggle in the big leagues, I think there's a pretty strong case for Alfred to be called up and and start playing either in center field where he belongs or in right field. Uh, Honestly, Gurriel Jr. has looked phenomenal in left field so far, and hopefully he'll continue to play there. Reese McGuire. Uh, he got off to a slow start in April. It seemed like the entire Buffalo Bisons team got off to a very slow April. Um, but he's also batting 277 over the last 30 games as a catcher. And I mean, we talked about Danny Jansen and Luke Milley having a good week this week, but overall, they've, they're have they both hitting below 200. Uh, if, if one of them continues to struggle, or both of them, we could see McGuire push his way up. He doesn't hit right-handed pitching very well, so it could work into a bit of a platoon situation. But he, he's, he's catching base dealers. He throws out 33% of base dealers, which is, is solid. We saw him have good defense when September last year with us. Uh, so that's somebody to watch as well. And Boba ha- is back in Buffalo. Um, he did his rehab stint in Dunedin after he had taken the pitch in the hand and broken his hand. Uh, he hit a leadoff home run, I believe it was on Friday, and also had another hit in that game as well. So he's looking like he'll be on track for hopefully – a call up sooner rather than later. I'm 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 thinking after the trade deadline when our roster thins out a little bit is when we'll see Bo. So start of August. August Can't fir- come soon enough. August first is Bo Bichette debut. Can't come soon. You enough. heard it here first. Uh, moving to Double A. Oh, before we do that. Yeah. you have Any questions about uh, those boys? Patrick,
0: anyone in uh, anyone else in Triple A that you have your eye on that didn't make this list or because we got three each. We yeah. got three each for every level.
1: Yeah. Except for. Rook.
2: Yeah. No, I'm I'm most intrigued by Reese McGuire just because like we've been talking about how bad melee and Jansen have been and uh, not to get on a tangent about the, the negatives exactly, but like Danny Jansen's starting to make consistent contact at the plate, but wouldn't it be kind of interesting to bring up Reese McGuire, give him uh, the bulk of the starts for a little while, Uh, send Luke melee either out of town or down to triple a and, I mean, if Reese McGuire can hit over 200, then that kind of makes him our best catcher, doesn't it? Because the other two are swinging like plastic shopping bags.
1: Good offense a good catcher does not make.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I <laughs> think if we get, I think if we get Reese McGuire up there and
0: give him starts, I think that's going to kind of screw with Danny Jansen's brain. I, a little I think
1: bit. if anyone leaves, it's Luke Bailey. Oh, it's got to be yeah. Luke Bailey's yeah. definitely the odd man. He's out not a there. he's not a future of the team catcher. Whereas the Jays have four catchers in the top thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about another one here when we get to the uh, uh, double A mm-hmm. or yeah. single A talk.
0: Bobuchat's my boy. I've said yeah. that before. I've said it again. Bobuchat's the guy.
1: And I'm, you guys know, I'm a huge Anthony Alford fanboy. Mm-hmm. Always have been. Uh, and hopefully i'm i'm really hoping that the anthony alford that we saw in spring training that and that what we've seen over the last 3 days is the real slim shady so to speak mm-hmm. uh i'm hoping that he is finally uh, figuring it out <laughs> Something's offensively weird with him though because like he he's, looks like
0: just a star he's, he's just... just
1: he's got that body right mm-hmm. like we talked about it when we had uh when we had Keegan on during spring training and he talked about how anthony alford like if you walk, if a non baseball fan walked into a locker room and was asked who the MVP was, they would point at him because mm-hmm. he's a freak. Like, he he's is a massive. Freak. He's a he's a strong guy. He's fast. He's he's got that just that look about him. Let's so. get to
0: the defending champions, the Here New Hampshire, Hampshire Fisher, Fisher Cats. Cats.
1: Yeah, the champs. Uh, Forrest Wall acquired in the Sanguano trade last year from Colorado outfielder, which we desperately need along in our in our system along with Alfred. Forrest Wall is not ranked in our top thirty. Um, something tells me that he will be very soon. He's leading the Fisher Cats with an 837 o- o- OPS this year. Uh, he's got four home runs only, which obviously we, isn't huge, but he's hitting for average. He's stealing bases. He's uh, walking more than he has in his career, and he's also dropped his strikeout rate by 11% year-over-year year from last season so far to start the year. That's a big sign that a guy is feeling more comfortable at the plate, and he could be pushing for a promotion to AAA A very soon if he keeps this up another guy in double-a that we're all kind of familiar with a little bit is patrick murphy he was the florida state league pitcher of the year with dunedin last year we had we didn't protect him in the real five draft because we we figured that a team would not take a a ball pitcher in the real five draft and we were lucky that they did not mm-hmm. because we took a rookie ball pitcher in elvis luciano um, who's on the il right now so it's not unheard of but we're lucky that they didn't take him because he's. Off to a great start in 2019 he had a couple rough spots here in this last in this last couple of weeks but it's not really due to him walking batters or giving up home runs he's walking less than three batters per nine innings and striking out on even nine per nine and his ground ball rate is 51 that's the he's the uh, that has all the hallmarks uh of a great pitcher for toronto because you know how how well ground ball pitchers do at Roger mm-hmm. center uh, more so than flyball pitchers, show it. To Marco Estrada and Evan Jackson. Uh, <laughs> no Nate Pearson. Nate Pearson is in Double A now. Big Nate. Uh, the Jays are altering are alternating him between five inning and two inning starts this year. Nate Pearson has never pitched more than twenty innings in a professional season. He's already over fifty this year. Um, he's had some freak injuries. Nothing structural. He's got hit with a line drive in the arm last year and broke a bone. Uh, he throws 100. He can touch 104 on the gun. We saw him touch 104 in the Arizona Fall League All-Star game last year in an inning of relief. He throws about 99 <laughs> in in as a starting pitcher over the course of his games. He, there's only been a couple of times where he hasn't been able to work five innings. He's got a couple of games where he's gotten into some trouble. But overall, I mean, he, he earned that promotion to to Double A after striking out 15 batters per nine innings in, in Dunedin. That's and, crazy. And the big thing for Big Nate is that he is not walking batters. He's always had an issue with control. I mean, he throws 100 miles an hour, so if the fastball's off by a little bit, it's going to be off by a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's walking He walk, He's walking less than two batters per nine innings over all this season and striking out more than 10 batters per nine. And he's only given up three home runs in 45 and two-thirds innings, which for, for a minor leaguer is is very good. Patrick Murphy's numbers are very similar to that as well. So we we've talked a lot about how we lack pitching in our in our upper minor league system but there are guys that we've recently drafted in Alec Manoa and Kendall Williams along with Adam Klopfenstein who we'll talk about in a minute who and Nate Pearson and Patrick Murphy who are coming up they're on their way they're probably two years away from from Murphy and and Pearson Patrick Murphy is definitely more along than Pearson because he has pitched mornings in the past uh, the Jays are probably hoping that they'll keep Pearson to about 120 innings at most this season um, I'd say probably closer to 100 And then next year, 150, 160, and then they can turn him loose in 2021, hopefully as a big leaguer. Um, You don't want to, especially with a guy that throws 100 miles an hour, you can't just say, hey, you've thrown 20 innings in your career, and you should probably throw 200 innings this year. You just can't do it. Um, So they'll work him up over the next couple of years. And in 2021, he'll be 24 years old, and that's perfectly in line with starting pitcher development, especially for a guy who missed time with injury. If he can debut in the big leagues opening day 2021, we'd be doing pretty well.
0: Patrick, out of those three, obviously probably Nate Pearson. You got your on.
2: Oh, yeah. I think Nate Pearson's going to be a star. I cannot wait to see him work in the big leagues. He's obviously got a lot of work to, to do in the minor leagues. But it says an awful lot about the quality of our pitching prospects that both Nate Pearson and 18-year-old Eric Pardino have already passed Sean Reed Foley, who has MLB experience. Mm-hmm. As far as their quality goes, that's not a a deliberate dig at Sean Reed Foley. Um, If anything, it's kind of a challenge, but that's pretty damn impressive. And Nate Pearson really has has risen in the prospect rankings in the last six months. And so has Eric Perdino. Remember when Eric Perdino was like number 18 or 19 and we got him in a trade or whatever?
1: We signed him as international free agent, yeah.
2: am I thinking of then? Not sure. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it was, uh, I thought we got him in a, in the Houston trade no, or am I mixing that's
1: up? That's Hector Perez.
2: Oh yes, that's right. Sorry. I am mixing up two players, but, uh, Pardino is, is only 18, 18 years old and his birthday is in it for junior, the rookie ball talk, so, Patrick. <laughs> like he's just like, he's just a child. Yeah. <laughs> he's barely uh, old enough to, he's not even old enough to buy beer. <laughs>
1: The big thing I want to stress about these, these players that we've talked about so far too is that by all accounts, they're all just good guys too, like good humans. Anthony Alford is, is a very religious guy. He takes time to sign autographs all the time. Bo Bichette is the same way. Um, and same with Nate Pearson and Patrick Murphy. There's been a lot of, a lot of talk about how their, their demeanor and their attitude is around the, around the team. Is they, they want to win. They want to be there. Mm-hmm. They've watched guys like Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio and Vladimir Guerrero win throughout their minor league career and they want to win now. They're not they're not thinking about winning the twenty twenty five World Series. They're thinking about winning their Eastern League Championship series this year. They want to win.
0: How tall is Nate Pearson again?
1: Oh boy. Uh that's a good question. We'll find out as we move into the high A talk.
0: I think he's six six.
1: I think he's probably about six four, six five, yeah, something like that.
0: So he's six he's
1: six six six, two forty five. So
0: in the future, if we have Marcus <laughs> Stroman and then Nate Pearson. Yeah. So we go from Marcus Stroman to a guy who's like 5'7", yeah, power sinker to power to fastball. To going to Nate Pearson. You know how much that's going to screw up batters? Like batters love consistency because yeah. the release point of the ball and just the size of the pitcher, just that familiarity. If we go Nate Pearson followed by Stroman or Stroman followed <laughs> by Pearson, it's going to be screwing up batters. Think about
1: it this way too. Um, Alec Manoa, 6'6". Six, six. Exactly. So just Adam Klopfenstein, 6'4". Yeah. Kendall Williams, 6'6". six. six. We need some short guys in there. Eric though. Pardino Mix is like six feet tall, I think. Mix it up. There's some, some beastie boys. The Blue Jays could have potentially four starters. If I think Patrick Murphy is pretty tall too, they could have like four starters who are over like six four. Mm-hmm. And that that's intimidating. Yeah. Like, and they be they all be big boys by then too. Like when you think of Manoa at two sixty. Um, and Kloffenstein at 245 or whatever he's at. Yeah, let's get to some A-ball. Yeah, let's though. talk to A-ball. Yeah. Second catcher in Dunedin, Alejandro Kirk, the five foot nine Mexican catcher. We talked about him a little bit last episode, um, how he was kind of passed over by a lot of teams because of his small frame. Uh, but he's very good. He's, he's throwing out base stealers. Uh, he's been promoted based on his batting average this season and his, his approach at the plate. He's walked 32 times against only 20, 21 strikeouts across two levels so far this year. I know how much Patrick loves guys who, who take walks and don't strike out, so he's probably just licking his lips over there. Um, not much nah. not much power yet. He hit 10 home runs last year and only has three so far this year, but he's got 20 or 17 doubles so far. So he's got that gap power, which is what we saw from Kevin Biggio early in his Miley career too, and then when Biggio decided to hit more fly balls, he started hitting more home runs. Uh, I don't want to say that this guy is the same as Kevin Bija because obviously they play different positions, but that's kind of the approach you like to see. Uh, Jordan Groshans is much the same. We'll talk about him in a minute, in a moment too. That they hit line drives, guys with line drive power. Once they adjust their approach a little bit to get the ball a little bit higher, line drives turn into home runs. Um, Alejandro Kirk, he's 20 years old and he's he's playing high A ball. He's one of the younger players in the league. He's moving up through the ranks. Pretty quickly, he's really pushing for a double-A promotion this year, and we might see it. Riley Adams is having a decent year for the Fisher Cats as well, mm-hmm. uh, also in our top 30. Um, there, there are some good catchers in this, in this system, and we've already got one of them in the big leagues in Denny Jansen. So the, the catching the catching situation is looking pretty solid from an internal perspective. Uh, Logan Warmuth, shortstop, was a top-10 prospect for us in 2018, had a terrible season. I think he bet, hit about 240 last year and he fell all the way to number 30. He's really bouncing back so far this year. He's got a 782 OPS, a 284 batting average. He's running a 10 game hit streak right now. The DJs are on the all-star break right now um, in the Florida state league. So he hasn't hit, hit played in a few days, but he's, he's riding hot. He's really trying to put himself back into the upper levels of our shortstop depth chart in the organization. Cause obviously we have some great shortstops too. Um, he, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the in the boat that Logan Wormuth will be traded at some point in the next year or two, if he continues this this progress, because we just have guys ahead of him and we'll need help elsewhere in the organization, outfield, pitching wise. So he's probably a good trade candidate, being the fact that he is low on the on the depth chart now. A, a pitcher in in Dunedin that I like to talk about is Nick Alguire. Uh, he jumped straight from Vancouver to Dunedin this year, so he skipped over Lansing, uh, and he hasn't missed a beat. So. He started 12 games so far this year. He's striking out nearly 10 batters per nine, walking less than one and a half batters per nine, three less lower uh, below three ERA, and he's only allowed three home runs in 62 innings pitched. 23, a lefty, went to college. That's everything you like to see in a pitcher. I mean, yeah. a lefty who strikes out guys, limits home runs. Uh, he's got the experience of pitching for, in a college program, so that's why he's a little bit older and, and only in high A ball. But he could move up pretty quick based on the fact that he's he's got that age experience. He's left-handed, and he and he's a power guy. He throws throws hard, doesn't allow home runs. We talked about Nate Pearson and Patrick Murphy not allowing home runs. This is a a good crop of young pitchers, so you can throw Nick Alguer into the into the mix there too. Anyone you guys want to chat a bit more about here? No, Patrick.
2: <laughs> you know it's interesting the situation with Logan Warmith in that he is. Doomed to be the odd man out because mm-hmm. there's no way he'll ever be able to catch up to um, Jordan Groshans or Bo. I, I kind of see. I see Jordan Groshans as kind of like the our shortstop of the future. No disrespect to Bo Bichette, but I think he moves positions. Um, and Logan Wormuth is just going to be the odd man out, but he's going to be a very attractive trade piece. I would say if not ne- next year, the year after when he gets tr- at the very least triple a ready, because he's still going to be very young <laughs> and he's clearly shown that he is yeah. defensively very, com- like very, competent, very
1: competent yeah.
2: and yeah, just like he's the kind of player that you would want to trade for. If that makes sense. I like, just have like, like
1: this, respected- this like Sorry, fantasy in my head of, Boba and Jordan Groshens having like a shortstop duel, like, like a Dragon Balls Z episode, where it's just like some like crazy anime music in the background. And they're both just like <laughs> taking ground balls and whipping <laughs> them across <laughs> a diamond. And like the first person who screws up, like gets moved positions. It's just like this like duel for the ages. They're like hitting home runs and it's like some sort of like 80s movie montage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was chuckling there when Patrick <laughs> was talking. I just had that come into my head. But yeah, no, I, I, I you might be right, Patrick, about Groshens. Uh, lots of scouts think he's a third baseman. So we've already got a decent third baseman in the big leagues right now. <laughs> so we'll see. This, this team has a, a wealth of options on the left side of the infield in terms of young players. So as long as these young players continue to develop, obviously Vladdy and Bo are the two closest to being here. Vladdy's already here and Bo's not far behind. Um, Groshans and Warmuth are a couple years away as they are only an A-ball. Um, moving to A-ball now, we'll talk about Groshans for a moment. So he's be, he's been on the injured list for a while. He had fouled the ball off his foot, left foot, back at the end of April. He did come back for a couple of games, but he's been back on the IL. It sounds like he's going to be out for a while. It's a bit of a stress fracture by the sounds of it, um, in the foot. So he could be he could be on the shelf for for a bit. But he was off to a great start. He was hitting the ball hard. Um, one guy who came back. And as Clayton joked last week, he's, he's super focused right now. Like almost so focused. Like laser focused. Oh. Griffin Conan came back from that, rid- is- <laughs> that Ritalin suspension that he had. He's played in 16, or 17 games as of yesterday. Um, he's smacked six home runs so far, and his OPS is over 1.2. He's an outfielder, which you got to love. Number 15 prospect in our system. Uh, he only hit seven home runs in 55 games last year, and he's got six and 17 this year. So. He mad. He's ready. He's a big boy, too. Is Obviously, Jeff Conine played in the big leagues for a while. So it's another one of these kids who have big league pedigree in their in their ancestry. Um, Josh Winchowski, probably some of you guys may have never heard of until now. We drafted him with the 467th or 62nd overall pick in 2016. He pitched in Bluefield <laughs> in rookie ball for two years. Uh, and then he moved to Vancouver last year where he pitched very well. This year he's in Lansing in low A, in single A, sorry, and he's pitched in 13 games. ERA is 232. Another guy who's only given up three home runs, that seems to be a common theme against, among these guys, and he's pitched 73 in two-thirds innings in 13 starts. He turns 21. He's only 20 right now. He turns 21 later in June. Another guy who is another tall dude. I forget what his height is, but he's another big boy, big right-hander, and more pitching. So, I mean, I, I kind of want to focus a lot on on perceived gaps in the system so i talked about catchers outfielders and pitchers in this uh sort of minor league report um just two more quick pitchers in rookie ball uh king cloth adam clofenstein jordan groshen's high school teammate we took him in the third round last year's draft he did pitch in the canadians first game in vancouver uh, on friday night he gave up uh, four runs in three innings. Two Only two runs were earned. There were some errors on the field. The Canadians kind of got hit around, but uh, Kloff struck out five, walked one. He did give up a home run, but he's that that was his uh, three innings more than exceeded his two two innings that he pitched last year in, in Bluefield in limited time. The Blue Jays will work him into the system this year. He'll pitch a lot in Vancouver. He's another guy that they see as sort of a future cornerstone of the franchise we talked about how he's a big boy too. 6'4, 245 um, he fits in with the power arms that we're building eric Pardinho pitched in bluefield last year he's 18 years old we signed him as a 16 year old out of brazil he was pitching in the world baseball class he was a 16 year old mm-hmm. he's got big stage experience uh, last year he threw eight, 50 innings where he struck out 64 batters and had an era below three he'll he's been in a, in spring extended spring training with some elbow soreness he's pitching again now Bluefield starts, I believe, on the 18th, which is a couple days, or the 24th, something like that. They start soon, so he'll he'll make his way to Bluefield at some point again. Uh, but he could end up in Lansing by the end of the year. If he pitches well, he might get a late-season call-up to the Lugnuts, or even he might move to Vancouver. They might send him up with cloth at the same time, kind of keep those two together as they did with with the Bows and the Vlads and the Cavins of the World to kind of keep their, their studs grouped together. And we might see some debuts from Alec Manoa and Kendall Williams at some point this season with rookie ball teams, uh, and we'll see where, where our recent draft picks kind of start slotting into the to the system. We, we talked a lot about last year's picks with uh, cloth and Groschen slotting in kind of right away into the into the system. Uh, Cal Stevenson was another guy we drafted last year. So there, there's been some guys who have moved into the system pretty quickly and, and uh, found success, so hopefully these guys can do the same.
0: So out of all these guys, Patrick, who are you most excited for? All the guys we talked about, AAA to single A.
2: Uh, probably Jordan Groshans, just because I really do firmly believe, like, I think we stole him in that draft. I think we, we really got away with, uh, with a steal of a pick in him. I'm also, I'm very excited about Eric Pardino. Although (sighs) talking about all these pitchers makes me wonder, like they can't all be starters. I mean, they're all going to be serviceable players in the future, presumably, but somebody's got to throw out of the pen, and someone has to be our closer. So out of all the guys we have in our system, Clayton, who's going to end up being the one that's the closer? Is it going to be someone like Big Nate who can hit 100?
0: No. They usually figure that out in AAA. So... Because again, like triple A and major leagues, like you, you have your 10 starters there, you know, that you can mm-hmm. kind of call up and stuff like that. But in double A and single A ball, it's kind of a it's too kind far of free away. for all, you yeah. know. It's like, okay, you'll pitch in the bullpen for a bit, you'll get a couple starts here, you know, because it's a prospect thing. You want to see how good these guys are. Yeah. So I think they usually figure that out in triple A. It's tough to see the guys in rookie ball, single A, double A, eh, double A, maybe. But it's tough to see all those prospects in single A and rookie ball be like, okay, are you a starter or are you a bullpen guy? That's they kind of figure that out later on in AAA similar ball. Similar to
1: what they did with Jordan Romano where he was in AA last season as a starting pitcher, moved up to AAA, pitched a couple games as a starter then pitched in the bullpen. And then obviously the Rangers claimed him as a relief pitcher in the Real 5 draft and now he's in our bullpen. Mm-hmm. So something over the course of the last year determined that Jordan Romano was more effective as a relief pitcher. And he's he can hit close to 100. Yeah. Um. And the bullpen, so that's that that's the, riddle in the lines of what you just said where they they kind of figure out that between AAA and the big leagues so, we got some time to figure that out. Yeah. So it's, it's
0: just who who proves it the most. Yeah.
1: These guys. I didn't talk about any pitchers until we got to double A. AA. There's in AAA. I mean, Sean Reed Foley's there. He's struggling. Ryan Brecky will go there for a little bit as, mm-hmm. as, as in rehab too. Um, Obviously, we still all, all hope Sean Reed fully figures it out. Yeah, he's who had you, he showed some really signs of brilliance, but
0: who are you most excited for on the list?
1: Patrick Murphy. I'm I'm Ooh. going to go off the big board here and, and go to Patrick Murphy. He he really flew under under my radar personally and the radar of everybody else as the Florida State League pitcher of the year last year. Like that dude was a stud for Dunedin, and he's continued that this year. Um, I I like I like his stuff. I've watched I watched some video of him as I was doing this this list. And he's, he's, very, he, he's very impressive to me. He's a big power pitcher, keeps the ball down, does not give up home runs. I, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm thinking that he's going to be a, a good candidate for a September call-up this year.
0: One word, two letters, Bo. <laughs> so excited for yeah. Bo to get to the big leagues, man I've been just I, I love that guy I just, I don't know Everything about him Just a ball player Just looks like a ball player, you know Classic We mm. needed one money ball reference on the podcast We haven't had one yet Soft so hands It came at the very, very end uh, Vladdy must have
1: <clears> soft hands If if his if the swelling has gone down I enough. I can't to believe play he's
0: playing today Like I, <laughs> Man, getting beat by like a 96 mile an hour fastball in the hand And playing two days later What a freak God, I love Vladdy too. Vladdy and Bo, the dream team. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's all for uh, episode 22 of season two. Um, my name's Clayton, Justin, Patrick. It's been real. Um, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, Google Podcast. Tune in. Tell your friends too. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, m- make sure you give us a review. Ask us some questions. We'll talk about it on the show. Um, what are what's our outro song today? What are we doing?
1: I think we're gonna do The Killers, Mr. Brightside. We're looking on the bright side of things today. We're keeping it positive. We're looking towards the future. Great. It's the bright side.
0: I hate all these positive songs. This makes me... Because it's a lie. All these positive songs are just a lie. We know how bad we are. We're
1: (laughs) we're crying on the inside right now. We're trying to mask our pain. We're smiling through the pain. Oh, God. Let's go watch the Jays lose to Houston, guys. Yay.
0: Thanks for listening. Have a good one.